Good morning, church. What a wonderful morning it's been of worship, and uh, I really felt even before Nathan got up to, to say something, just um, how challenged I was afresh that I need to be consumed by the things of God and not by the things of man. And, you know, we, we have so many things going on in our lives, good things sometimes, bad things, difficult things, overwhelming things, and it's easy to sit there and to think on them and be focused on them, but actually we need to prioritize the things of God and, and to focus on them. So a great time of worship. We love you guys. It's such an honor to be with you today. Uh, delighted to be able to come and do this. So thank you for having us. Um, and I must just say to Nathan and Lucy just how much we love and appreciate you and, and how much we respect you and, and what you and the leadership team are doing here as well. Um, and just to assure you all um, of our prayers continuously as well. So before I talk a little bit about Assemblies of God mission, just wanted to um, either remind you or let you know for the first time, if you don't know us, um, a little bit about who we are and in missions. Um, as Nathan said, we've spent seven years in South Africa doing mission work over there. We were involved in a lot of different things. We were involved in community projects, um, going out with people, a lot of people with HIV AIDS in the area we were working, um, different teaching programs in the community, visiting programs, but also one of our main things was to train missionaries. And we trained missionaries who have gone now into many countries all over the world. Um, and that's a real joy to have been part of that. Um, I was actually, when he was asking how long have you been involved in missions, I don't quite know how to answer that because I was actually born in Kenya because my parents were missionaries. So it certainly th feels like something that's been going on for the past 40 years but in different ways at different times and whilst we were out in Africa God began, began to challenge us about Europe and about how so many places in Europe that we consider traditionally reached actually are so unreached and how so many of these countries do not have evangelical churches now I'm not talking about a Pentecostal church like this I'm talking about they don't have Methodist churches they don't have Church of England churches they don't have Reformed churches they don't have have churches that believe in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ um, and so that was a challenge to us whilst we were out in Africa and God took us into Europe we thought we would be living there at first but actually God showed us to live in the UK so one thing we do is we're actually based in Rotherham uh, Steve is a, a pastor um, up in Rotherham he's, he's working there part-time but our primary work our primary calling is as missionaries and we continue to work as support-based missionaries in Europe and around the world so what we do in Europe is we do leadership development, we work with church planters, and so we're not personally planting a church, but what we believe is that some of the national workers, some of the indigenous people in the different countries are the best people to plant churches in their own culture, their context, their language. But many of these um, churches are tiny, or they want to plant churches where there's just one or two people, and so they can't go to Bible college, they can't work with other ministers, they can't have mentoring. So what we do is we provide some of those things. So we go in, we provide mentoring, training, discipleship. We work alongside local leaders to help them to be planting churches. As Nathan said, many of these uh, projects, particularly over the last few years, have been in Czech Republic. The idea is always to work ourselves out of a job and to start moving on to the point where actually the churches are self-sustaining, that it just needs some general encouragement like all churches need and so that we can move on to projects in different places. And we're working a lot more now in the Balkans. And something else that God has been doing with us is we, um, he's been 
bringing us more into missionary care as well. And this is where I can start to tie it in with the Assemblies of God. Now, I've been involved in missionary care for a long time. And for anybody who's ever studied it, you realize that actually people going on missions, they, they suffer um, sometimes a lot of trauma, a lot of challenge, a lot of change. Um, there's difficulties with going cross-cultural. And we like to think that because we're doing the will of God, that everything is easy and we don't need to struggle and that we'll never have another worry. And it doesn't quite work like that. Um, and people who go out on missions can have a very difficult time. So in the same way that we work with mentoring of church planters and leaders in Europe, we've started to do a lot more work of mentoring and discipling and, and um, encouraging missionaries around the world. Um, and it's something I've done from a local church perspective. It's something I did in Africa. And then the other year, I wrote to the Assemblies of God. And um, we knew the, the missions director at the time. And we said, we'd love to see more missionary care being brought into the Assemblies of God for the missionaries. Um, because actually, it helps them to be more effective. If they are well pastored, if they are well cared for, if they are encouraged, then actually the work that they do can be more effective. And all of this is borne out by academic studies and years of missionary practice as well. And um, so um, I was invited onto the national team specifically to care for missionaries. And that, that involves more things than that. It involves, in the long term, it'll involve training missionaries and, and different equipping courses. But actually that, that um, encouragement and that, that mentoring process. Um, and then last year, as um, some of you will be aware, the Assemblies of God went under a number of changes. We had a fantastic new leadership team brought in, um, and a new uh, missions team came out of that as well, bringing on some of the previous people and some new people as well. Um, and so I was asked to continue in my role um, of caring for missionaries for that. Stephen is also, who had already been brought on, and he was asked to coordinate Europe. Um, so for the Assemblies of God, so all the missions, projects, and different things, that is with Stephen and we've got some other people on the team came for different parts of the world chaplaincy is also under the Assemblies of God mission team as well um, and then also looking at national projects and local projects so things like the Franklin Graham Crusade and Message Trust and connections with and partnerships with many different organizations and um, the um, Nathan earlier started talking about in Acts and the early church and how important it was that the Spirit of God came upon people. Um, and actually, if you look in Acts 1.8, and it talks about the, uh, the Spirit that would come, and it says, so that you can be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. And Stephen's obviously going to bring you a challenge in a, in a, in a few minutes on, on missions, and that this is a call for all of us, not just for some of us. It's not an or. It's not you can either go to Jerusalem, which is considered your, you know, here, your Junction 28 area, or you can go to the ends of the earth. It's both of them. It's all of them. It's that power of the and, all simultaneously that we're called to. And so really, as the Assemblies of God missions team, that has been our focus to really take it back to that Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth model um, in that and look at a ripple effect. And if you've got a pond and you've got a beautiful still pond, but actually all you need is one stone and it creates a ripple. And that's what we want to see with the missions work and how effective it can be. And as you throw stones into that pond, that ripple effect can go out and can affect many people. Um, we've got, um, I think it's around 100 missionaries at the moment that are, that are down under uh, the Assemblies of God 
banner um, and some of those will be working in conjunction with different organisations. So for example, we've got some missionaries uh, working with Wycliffe out in Cambodia and they're helping to be part of a Bible translation team over there. And we've got um, different people. So we've got um, a couple in, in Brazil and they're working to bring in new laws around fostering and adoption and care for the family that they feel God has put on their heart. We've got a family in China. Well, they're currently not in China with all the different challenges there. But they're working... Um, also in care where, where um, people who uh, children who have had no parents they're helping them to adjust into society we've got a number of missionaries in Spain who've planted many churches we've got um, a couple in Austria the Gators who have got an amazing they've planted so many churches they have a whole movement that has been created out there as well and they are now able because of the things they've done to present the gospel into schools in Austria we've got um, projects in Africa, in Ghana, with a, with a big village there. You may have heard of Sasha and Sarah and the project they've got in Serbia. And then recently we've started to get a lot more involved in Macedonia. Um, it's an area that we've been always connected to anyway. Um, and there's an um, AOG missionary couple out there and they, they wanted a lot of support and so we've been able to connect with them. So that's just a tiny snapshot, and you're really, really welcome to come and ask me for more about what Assemblies of God Missions is doing locally, nationally, and internationally, and I'd be delighted to tell you these missionaries around the world, and I would really value your prayers, because as we care for the missionaries so that they can be effective um, in what they do, we need a lot of wisdom, we need a lot of discernment, we need words of knowledge speaking into their lives. And if you can just imagine being a missionary, and obviously we've been there where you're so far from home, you are without your support base, you're, with, you, you're without your family, everything's being done in a foreign language, um, everything is constant effort in terms of just everyday things like going to the shop. We've been there, we've been, we've been attacked, we've been, we've been shot at, um, our, our rooms have been shot at, we've been attacked by men with axes who've, who've taken everything we've had malaria and um, tick bite fever and, and all these kind of challenges which we've faced and for the glory of God and, and you know it's wonderful and that, that we can share those stories and we've seen miracles as well the other side you know we've seen God we've seen God clear hospital wards um, but in that you need sometimes somebody just to stand with you to, to be, and, and I've mentioned, I think, here before, that the whole story of, of Moses, when he held his arms up, and he couldn't hold his arms up by himself, and he needed an Aaron, and he needed a her to come and to hold his arms up. And so if you are trying to understand what our, our mission work is, in terms of, um, we call ourselves Has Missions, by the way, if ever you're looking online, Hannah and Steve Missions, Has Missions, um, that is what we do. We hold people's arms up, whether they're church planters, whether they're youth leaders, whether they're missionaries. We hold their hands up, we pastor them, we care for them so that they can continue to minister where they are effectively for Jesus so that his name can be known everywhere. Thank you. Good morning. Oh, I'm loud. I'm loud without this, I think. Uh, so Hannah has shared a little bit about missions and what we're doing. I hope in this little, next little period of time um, to put a little bit more of a challenge on you guys. Because some of you might be thinking, that's great and I love missions and I'm into all of this stuff. Others, you may be sat there and going, that's fantastic. We've got an awful lot of work to do in South Normanton. Why does any of that stuff matter? Somebody else can do that. It's not our problem. So I hope to kind of 
transform your thinking a little bit this morning. So I'm going to read a couple of scriptures. Uh, we're going to go to Acts, not surprisingly. Um, Acts 2, 42 to 47, which maybe you wouldn't think I'd go to. And I'm going to go to Acts 6, 1 to 4 and verse 7. So I'm going to read both. Acts 2, 42 to 47, and Acts 6, 1 to 4 and verse 7. So Acts 2, 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day... Attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favour with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Sounds like local church to me. Indeed, that is the Acts model for local church. I thought it was Mission Sunday. Oh well. Acts 6. 1 to 4 and verse 7. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit, and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. That sounds like local church as well. It's interesting, just a total side note, people called to serve tables, primary qualification, filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, for the practical stuff, for the social service, filled with the Spirit. And that's what Nathan was saying this morning, is like, be filled with the Spirit. If you haven't, if you've still not been even this morning, keep praying, keep seeking God for it. Because actually, that's what we need. Every one of us, not just for preaching the gospel, not just for transferring ourselves to some other part of the planet, but right here, giving somebody food, looking after the children, whatever it is, we all need God and we need his spirit to help us on our journey. Now, are you all sitting comfortably? Excellent, let's fix that. <laughs> I don't want people getting comfortable. A little bit interactive now, okay? Uh, I've brought out two scriptures on local church. We're dealing with local church this morning in a surprise move. So I'm going to ask you this. I'm going to ask you some questions. If none of these things apply to you and you remain sitting down throughout the whole process, do not worry. We are not trying to identify people or pull people out at all. I've got a point to bring from this, but it might be different to what you think it's going to be. So just be absolutely honest with your answers to this. And if the answer is yes to these questions that I'm now going to ask you, stand up. Are you ready? Question one, has anybody been used by God to heal someone in this local area? If you have, stand up. Wow, look at that. Have a look round. Feel free to look round. Not too many, 
But it's happened. That's pretty amazing. Okay, you can sit down. That's pretty amazing, right? God's used somebody here to heal somebody in this area. That is fantastic. Let's have another question. Has anyone ever witnessed to someone in this local area and seen them saved? Anyone ever witnessed to anyone in this area and seen a salvation? Yes, 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 we got, we got one as well. That's fantastic. That is awesome as well. Yeah, you can sit down. Okay, let's move on. Has anyone ever shared the gospel with someone in this local area, regardless of whether they made a decision for Christ or not? So have you shared your faith with somebody in this? Oh, oh, now then. Well, that's it. Have a look around. There's a, there's a few standing now, isn't there? Not so many maybe with the healings and the salvations, but sharing your gospel, we're starting to stand up. Okay, sit down again. Let's have another question. Has anybody ever done anything at all to bless somebody from this community because of your faith in Christ? Anybody ever done anything at all to bless someone in this community? Wow, have a look. The numbers are going up here, aren't they? Okay, sit down. One more question, and then you can sit comfortably. Has anybody ever prayed for somebody locally, whether that person knew it or not, and whatever the outcome was? Have you ever prayed for somebody in this community? Now, most people are standing up. That's pretty good. Sit down. If you haven't stood up for any, don't worry about that. The, but what I want you to look is the numbers of people that start to stand up for the questions that I'm asking. It is pretty impressive. Have you done enough for South Normanton? Is there more you can do? Are you satisfied with where you are now? No? You've been growing lots though, haven't you? Yeah? It's been new people coming every week, right? Fantastic to see, but you're not satisfied. And yet, we had somebody at the back there who's actually been used by God to heal somebody. We've got somebody at the back there who's been used by God to see people saved. We've got a whole pile of you who've actually shared your faith with somebody. In other words, somebody in this community has heard the gospel because you shared it. Even if they chose not to make that decision, almost everybody here is praying for people, but you're still not satisfied. You want God to do more. What is the point that I'm trying to make by getting you all to stand up and talk about local church? Imagine for a minute that you're not here. What does that do to South Normanton community? Yeah? Somebody isn't going to have been saved. Somebody isn't going to have been healed. A stack of people are not going to have heard the gospel because everyone who stood up, a bunch of you will have shared your faith many times. People have, whether they've received it or not, the fact is people have had a chance to accept the gospel and they've had a chance to accept it because you're here. Are you the only church in South Normanton? No. So what if I did this exercise with all the other guys who are here as well? Wow. Because then it's not just you. And your community is 16,000 people, I believe. I've done a bit of research. 16,000 people in South Normanton. You're not satisfied with where you are. You want more people in your churches, but you're not the only... Look at me, you've got loads of people here. There's other churches that have got loads of people in. Everybody's trying to serve. If we did the same thing there, there'll be somebody who's been healed, somebody who's been saved, somebody who's heard the gospel... That's pretty good stuff, right? So when we're sitting there and we're saying we need workers to go out into the harvest field, well, in South Normanton, you've got thousands of people you still need to reach. So those who are saying you're not satisfied, good. 
That's what I want to hear. You're not satisfied. We can't be satisfied. But in order to reach the thousands and thousands of people in South Normanton, we've got dozens and dozens and dozens of Christians who are able to do it. That's good, isn't it? That's what local church is all about. That's why every community needs a local church. Oh, you know what? You're hungry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on. Caitlin, look at what Caitlin's got here. This is fantastic. Oh, my word. Oh, look. I might go on for rather a long time here, so give people a bit of nourishment to keep them going. All right. Just talk amongst yourselves while she's doing it, but I've just realised... I. Oh. Oh. Is that me? Okay, well, it was nice being here. I'm glad, I'm glad <laughs> on my last time here. <laughs> right, okay, you're finished. Excellent. You're feeling a bit full now, replenished. <laughs> Never mind that. Ignore it's a distraction. You're feeling replenished. You've got your crisps. You're good to go, and I can go for another two hours, right? No? What's the problem? Anyone? Who, has anyone... What, you all got them, right? Who, has, who hasn't received them? Caitlin, what kind of job are you doing? Put your hands up if you haven't received. Like loads of people. Come on, do it properly. Go back out. Go on. Dearie me. Can you keep talking amongst yourselves? Just, uh, oh, very good. Very good. Right, excellent. You got that sorted now? Sorted? All replenished? I'm sorry she did it poorly first time. You got there? Yeah? No? Well, who hasn't got them now? Sorry about this. There's a bit of an interlude in the sermon whilst we get this sorted. Can you get it sorted, please? Come on. Dearing me. Oh. Right, we'll get it sorted this time. We've got it fixed. She's my daughter. It's an educational thing. We're working with her, all right? <laughs> right, okay. You've got it dealt with. Here's the thing. Chris, there. Uh, you've got some, right? That's all right, isn't it? You get some. Oh, look at that. That's great. We did pretty well there. You see, here's the thing. Treat it, treat each one of you, instead of being an individual, treat yourself now as a people group. Treat yourself as a people group. And what we do, what a local church does, you go out and you reach South Normanton, you go day after day and you do your, your clubs and you do all of the rest of it. And what it's like is like one of these crisps, it's like the gospel. And what happens is, it goes round, South Normanton, South Normanton, South Normanton, excellent. We put it down. And then next week we'll go, oh, you know what, I'll go around South Normanton again, and South Normanton again, and South Normanton again, and South Normanton again. But unfortunately, guys like Jez and Doton, you're different people groups. So you're not from South Normanton. So meanwhile, whilst we keep distributing the gospel around South Normanton, remember what I said, what did I say? Are we satisfied with what we've done here? No, we want to do more, right? We need to reach the people. That's really important, right? Do we need to keep sharing the gospel? Right, yes, we do. All of those things in local church, all the people who have been impacted here, is seriously important. But as we keep giving out, if all we do is do that to South Normanton, Guess what? There are 6,701 people groups around the world who will never, ever get the gospel. 
Sometimes we can think mission is about us. It's not about us. It's about somebody else somewhere else on the planet. Do you know who, what the best thing is for any local community in terms of being missioned? Is it missionaries going out and doing all of that stuff? No, it isn't. You know what the best thing is for any local community? Is to have a local church reaching the local community. That's the best thing. And I say that as a missionary. The best thing is to have every community on the planet being reached by their local church. The problem is, is that there are thousands and thousands of people groups which add up to two billion people for whom there is no local church. And so no amount of doing local church ministry will ever reach them with the gospel. That's why we do mission. And actually what happens is if you start, we can hand them all out to South Normanton, or Caitlin can, you can send them back if you like. And then gradually what happens is it goes out from the front, South Normanton goes, but we send it out. We send it out, it distributes, it gets across everywhere so that everybody gets a chance to hear the gospel. That's why we have to go to unreached places. That's why we go to Europe because, yes, some places are completely unreached. But there's others where there's churches there. So, like Czech Republic. Why am I going to Czech Republic? What's the point? There's 45. They have lots of different definitions, which makes it complicated. But there are 45 churches in Czech Republic. And if you add on the mission stations where something's happening, there's 120-odd of them. So why are we going there? Because, look, they've got local churches. But the local churches are not strong. There were two guys, you get into the academics, were about 1890, two guys called Venn and Anderson, and they defined what a local church was. There were three elements. Now, we can have a theological debate about it, but these three elements are really quite important. The first is it's self-governing. So in other words, you guys as a church can govern yourselves. You don't need other people outside anybody else to do it. You govern yourselves. The second thing is you finance yourselves. Yep, funding comes from within. We're not looking for outside. Your funding works from within. Thirdly, you're able to grow through your own work with outsider help. Self-propagating, if you like. Self-propagating, self-governing, self-financing. That's what makes a local church that is an effective local church in the local community. So when we go to check, they have local churches, but some of them have got very few people who are able to minister into their community and share the gospel into the community. They may not have the finances to support the stuff that they're doing. They may not have the understanding or the knowledge of putting in the structural stuff, the governmental stuff that makes the church work and make sure it's legal and compliant with what the law, what the law of the land has. All of that kind of stuff doesn't work. And so they need somebody to go and support them and help them. And if nobody goes... This is the sad thing. If nobody goes, what happens is if you're not self-governing, propagating and financing, sooner or later as a church, you die. It's a matter of time. It's not an encouraging message, this, is it? It's not a, but, but that's why. What is encouraging, though, is the fact that that is why missions exist. That's why the AOG department exists in mission. That is why we're trying to inspire people to start thinking about unreached people groups and least-reached people groups, places that we can go where we can, have, we can see God do something amazing and transform these cultures. So we've been in Czech for the last six or seven years, and we've started to see amazing things happen. Now, when I, I've been in Africa, if I've been in South Africa, and I've come here, 
I could have shared a story, as I say, as Hannah was mentioning, we could have shared a story about units of tuberculosis and malaria-ridden patients who were all healed overnight and all gone. I could share a story about how I planted a church involving some leaflet distribution. We wanted to start a church. We did it over the course of the week and prepared for it. We went there on the Sunday, 50 people in church. Wow. It's not, it's not actually that difficult in Africa. So you've got all of those stories, and then I can come out to a church, and I can share those stories, and everybody goes, wow, that's amazing. Look at those miracles. Wow, look at this. Well, I've got a story for you today, and it comes from Sadska. And it isn't a story of 50 people in the church after one week of preparation. It's not a story of wards being completely healed. You know what? It's a story of a lady sent out by her church in Lisa who worked for 12 years in one location. Do you know how many converts she had in those 12 years? Zero. None at all. Because nobody had ever tried to plant a church in Sadska before. She was working for five years there, and that's when, or so, so seven years, we got involved, probably about 2014. And from that time, do you know what she started to do? She started to build up a little community. She created an event called Ross Chesty Crossroads. And every week, she'd try and get guys from the community to come in and did some incredible things, such as geography lessons. Somebody would share about some part of the world that they'd been to. And they try and get a couple of people in from the community. I was there very early on when she did this, sharing about South Africa, blowing vuvuzelas. And she managed to get a community of two people. She apologised. There was a third that might have turned up and didn't. Two people, and that was it. Nowadays, she's built that community up. She does film clubs. She does craft with mums and kids. And she still does those geography lessons. And her community now is 15 to 20 And last year, one lady was healed from something, I think it was a hip problem or something like that. She'd been in hospital from the community. She was prayed for. She was healed. She got saved. And I was at the church last May where she was giving her testimony and in preparation for baptism. One convert. Wow. That's not a great story. It doesn't sound exciting. But I tell you what, I was in church that morning. There seen a pastor got up and he read from Acts 2. He read Peter's message with the, and 3,000 were added to their number that day. The day of Pentecost. Because to that church, it felt like Pentecost had arrived. One person saved. Because they hadn't seen anyone saved in their church for years. In the church plant that was going on, no one had ever been saved. Years of work. But that's what it takes sometimes for some of these guys on the ground. You've got to keep pioneering and pioneering. Do you know what? China took exactly that. People pioneering in the 19th century saw very little fruit for what they did. They died, still not sure about any real fruit. Today, 30,000 people a day come into faith in Christ. That doesn't happen without the sacrifice and investment of those who went before. And so we believe, yes, it's one person in Saska at the moment, but by investing and encouraging and supporting and getting involved and saying, for us, it's not just about Rotherham, it's not even just about England, but it's about how can we support people doing this stuff. As we do that, we encourage people who can be discouraged. Just think, Nathan, you're a pastor, 12 years, nobody 
comes to church. You ask yourself, think of any of you, even if you're not pastors in a church, think of yourself, you're running a church and running a ministry for 12 years, you see nobody come. Are you still there in 12 years? Are you still there in 12 years? Suska still there. But boy, you can imagine, year seven, year eight, do you need someone to go and encourage you? Do you need someone to support you? Do you someone need someone to say, hey, we believe in you and we believe in what you're doing? Yes, you do. And that's why we go. Macedonia, Nathan knows Macedonia because you've been out there. You went out there with very few numbers. Last time we went, that church is built up from, like the church was the pastor and his wife. That was it. That's the whole church. Now, last time we went, there was 12 people in the church, excluding us, excluding the pastor and his wife, eight missing. In Macedonia, that's like one of the hardest places in Europe to reach. They've just kept going and going and going. And again, it's not big numbers, but I tell you what, it's God working and doing something absolutely amazing. And you know, the whole process. Let me, let me give you this example. Oh, I'm going to pick on a couple of people here. You don't have to do anything. I'm just going to use your names. Sometimes there's real success, and we love to celebrate success, and we look at numbers, and numbers are success, right? So Lucy has got a big year coming up. My daughter, who's who was so excited about me preaching that she's gone to Sunday school. <laughs> <laughs> she's heard me before. Maybe you guys have forgotten. I don't know. That's why you're still here. It's, uh, Sunday school's great this morning. But she's got her sats coming up this year. And anyone, you've got kids, you've got grandkids, you've been through the process, you know it's a big deal, these sats. And really, you want to pass, you want to do really, really well. But the bottom line is you get 40%, right? Get your 40%, you've passed your sats, you're good to go and you're good to move on. Awesome. You're doing masters. Anyone who's gone to that level of academics or degree, 40%. Get to 40%. It doesn't matter how good after, but 40%, you've made it. You're through. You get your certificate. You get your big celebration and your ceremony. And it's like, and if you can get 60%, 70%, 70s a third. That's like, wow. That is like totally, yeah, that is amazing. I tried so hard. I got so close and I didn't get there. I passed but not with the 70 I wanted. It was a tragedy. But actually it isn't because 70%, 60% is an amazing success. And we go, yes. Now I want to give you another scenario. So we've got Tony and Kay. We've got Nathan and Lucy. We've got Hannah and myself and Caitlin and my Lucy. Eight of us go swimming. Some of you have been up to the North Sea. It's a bit cold. We go swimming in the North Sea and we all go out and we have a fantastic time in five degrees temperatures. It's amazing. Eight of us have gone and we come back at the end of it and we've got six. Now, unfortunately, we lost Tony along the way <laughs> and we lost our Caitlin as well. But hey, we've still got Nathan and Lucy, we've got me and Hannah, we've got Kay and we've got my Lucy. 75% people. Whoa, that's, that's top end pass, right? That's awesome. Six out of eight came back. That's so amazing. Let me tell you, when it comes to world mission and it comes to people groups, it's much more like the swimming and far less like the sats. Okay? 40% is not good enough when we're talking about bringing the gospel to the world. 
Two people in every five get to hear it. Three out of five never get the chance. That isn't good enough. Let me tell you, 70% does not cut it when it comes to word mission. Because you're still talking that three in every ten people never get to hear the gospel. You know what? 99% is not good enough. Matthew 24, 14, for those of you who are into your eschatology and you're like, it's Jesus is coming back, look at the signs of the times, look at the end days, we're looking for it, we're expecting it any moment, what's going on with coronavirus, what's going on with Europe, we can look at all that stuff. Let me give you this scripture. The gospel will be preached to all nations and that is people groups and then the end will come. If you're looking, if you're into that kind of stuff, let me encourage you. The way to do it is that 6,701 people groups that have not heard the gospel, when we get it to them, then you can start looking at that kind of stuff. Until then, it's not happening. Because Jesus has actually written in Scripture that we've got to go to every people group. And so if we keep reaching into South Normanton and we say, South Normanton's enough for us, and let's face it, it feels like it, it can feel daunting. You've got a few hundred Christians, you've got 16,000 people. That is like, that's, that's a big challenge, right? That's a big challenge to say, well, is that enough? Can we do it? How can we spare people to go to Czech? How can we spare people to go to Macedonia? How can we spare people to go to, oh, I don't know. Let's have a look at, see what I've got here. You don't mind me looking at my phone, do you, whilst I'm doing this? Uh, ooh, Bari. I don't mean Bari in Italy. I mean Bari... The Hindu group in India. Population, 623,000. Evangelical, you ready for this? 0.0%. Religion, Hindu, status unreached. Nobody going, nobody praying, nobody doing anything. One of the things you can do as a church that I encourage you, and I've been hearing you're a praying church, you're getting more into that. Let me encourage you. There's an app that you can get. It's called Unreached of the Day. And every day, you can pick up an unreached people group. You don't have to go. Not everyone's called the mission. Not everybody can go. Because when we're talking about going to the ends of the world, that doesn't mean everybody's going to go. But you can be involved right where you are, in your home, without moving, through prayer. And who knows, prayer changes stuff. Yeah, Because if you've got an unreached people group, guess what? That's in the enemy's territory. That is not the kingdom of God's territory. That is not Jesus' territory. It's the enemy's territory. And guess what? The enemy wants that people group to stay right where they are with nothing to happen. So if missionaries start going out there, if people start connecting, if the gospel starts getting shared, you're going to get a spiritual battle. And the only way that spiritual battle gets won is when people are praying for breakthrough. So that is something you can do right here that starts to make you kingdom-thinking people, mission people, without ever having to go any further than your home and this building. You can do it right here. You can do it in your prayer meetings. You can do it at home. Get the app. Start praying for these guys. You know, sometimes what we also think is we think, oh, for those of you who maybe are interested in mission a little bit and you go, I'd like to go, but I need stars I need the light I need the clouds to line up and say you will go and you've got clouds lining up that say Ethiopia all written and you can see it in the sky and it's like that's the call I've been waiting for but if you've not had the skies lined up for you the stars have not worked you're going oh God's not spoken to me yet it's not time I was looking for it I wanted to go 
but the clouds have not lined up. I've not had the clear message. I've not had all sorts. I've not had 75 people come and speak directly into me in one session. So therefore, it's not me. I think, you know, one of the guys who could look at that, I think the reason we have that philosophy of we have to have the stars lined up, I think it's Paul's fault. Paul the Apostle, the greatest guy to go to the Gentile world and step out from Jerusalem. And I can come back to that in a minute as well. But here we have Paul. And what happens? Acts 9, Damascus Road. Ah, So Paul had a Damascus Road experience. So we now think that that is the standard way to do it. Because God can, as we all know, God only works in one way. There's only one way he can do anything. He's not able to get out of his box or anything. It's just one way for all people of all time. Um, And there is Paul, Damascus Road experience. Therefore, we need that. And I'm sitting there going, Lord, I need to be blinded for a period of time. I need to be spoken to with the audible voice of God. And if I don't, uh, if I don't get that, then it's not me to go. And, you know, and then the other thing is when Paul's actually set out on mission, of course, he gets the Macedonian man, doesn't he? And the Macedonian, oh, okay, dreams and visions, that'll do as well. And then off I go. So, so it's really Paul's fault that we have this. The greatest guy to the Gentiles. But it's very interesting what Paul actually says. This is what he actually says. Romans 15, 20. Paul, and I'll come to Romans in a minute because it's very interesting. Romans 15, 20. This is what it says. Check your Bibles for your version. I make it my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ has not yet been named because he stopped me on my journey, told me directly to do so, and blinded me in order to make sure I got the message. Is that what it says in your version? Oh, okay. I'll change my version. Right, okay, let me have a look, see if there's another option. Oh, okay. There was another version. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God. We've been talking about that this morning. So that from Jerusalem and all the way round to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, oh, who else said that? I think Jesus used that occasionally. As it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. Isaiah 52, 15. If any person on the planet could justify the stars in the sky stuff for being called and to say why he's doing it, it's Paul. Paul is writing to the church in Romans. Let me tell you about the church in Rome. Paul didn't plant that church. Paul doesn't know that church. Paul has never been to that church. So this is not something where he's got a strong relationship with guys. It's something where he's actually writing to the church um, and he's asking them for something. Are you ready for this? He's asking them for Money. The church he doesn't know. And he's writing and asking them for money. You're not sure? Read Romans 1, 
where it says, I'm coming to you and I long to be with you for encouragement, which is what we were talking about with the Czech churches. I want to encourage you, that you will encourage me, that I will encourage you. And then when he gets to the closing of the letter in Romans 15, and he says, so I will be with you and it will be a joy to be with you and you can help me as I go on my journey and mission to Spain. He wants support for his mission to Spain. So we talk a lot of reasons about why Romans is written and all the great theology. The reason Romans is written is that Paul wants to go to Spain and wants the church to support him. And, he's, and if you then go to Romans 10, which says, how it's, got, it's all about being sent. And how will they hear unless someone's sent? How will they be sent unless someone sends them? All of this stuff, he's writing that to the church to say, I'm the one who's being sent and you're the guys who need to do the sending. That's why it's in there. So suddenly it transforms Romans. Romans is actually a book requesting a church to engage in mission. And not all the the it's got all the theology in it, but that's just Paul's defense for who he is and what should happen. A huge challenge. And in all of that, he says, it's because it's in the stars and the skies. No, he said he comes back and he says, It is written long before any of you guys were born in Isaiah, that's seven hundred years before Christ. Those who have never been told of him will see and those who have never heard will understand. The challenge that that brings to us is that moves it, this calling of Paul's away from being an individual call of Paul's into something that actually every single Christian is called to do. Every single Christian. And I, I haven't got time, definitely don't have time to go. I can give you a whole theological background of that from the Old Testament. But this will do it. The call, it is written that those who haven't seen will get to see. But how does that happen unless those who have heard and have seen go to those who have not seen? That's what we're involved in as a family. That is what AOG Mission is involved in. That is what we're encouraging every single church to get involved in in this country. To say, yes, and I want to qualify it again and again and again so you hear me. South Normanton is important. You have to keep doing all of that stuff. But as Hannah said, it is the power of the and. It's South Normanton and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. How can we get involved with that? Prayer is one of the key things. I am going to draw to a conclusion now. We have a lot of stuff there. But one or two last little thoughts on things that you can do. I'll tell you one thing. Uh, Nathan has met Emil and Vesna down in Macedonia, the church plant, the few people who got saved. Do you know one of the best, the, just the most powerful things that we ever did for them, that they just blessed their socks off? And this is tough. You can't really do this in church, I don't think. What we did was we got the Sunday school, the older kids to write them a letter, and the younger kids to draw them a picture. And we put them all in an envelope, and we sent it off to Macedonia. And they got all of these, maybe 15, 20 little messages. And those messages were so encouraging for them. You see, all the kids who had prayed for them that morning, who had spent some time to actually write a letter to bless them. It's a simple thing. But it transforms missionaries and guys on the field who are making a real difference. And preaching the gospel in places is much more difficult. We think here, Rotherham, South Normanton, it's, it's hard ground, right? But I'm telling you, it's tougher in other places. Much, much tougher. Another thing. Okay, let me finish with this. Are you ready for one more challenge? Ooh. <laughs> All right. I, asked this, I have asked this before, this question in our church. It was painful. 
I'm going to ask it here. Do you know with different people groups, South Normanton, um, 1% of your population, just a little bit more than that, is not white British. Some guys in here, but actually there's guys. There's um, 167 people, according to the latest census, that are Asian. Most of whom will have come from somewhere like India or Pakistan. Many of whom will be unreached people groups. Did you hear that? Here. Not in Pakistan, not in India. We have in Rotherham 8,000 people of Pakistan origin, almost all of whom will be unreached people groups, sitting in our doorstep, right on our doorway. And then we have to ask as a church, how many do we know? So if I ask you, of these 167 people, how many of them have ever been into your house? How many of their houses have you ever been in? Unreached people groups, you don't have to leave South Normanton for them. You've just got to connect. That's harder, but that's where it can be practical. We don't have to go to the other ends of the world for the unreached people groups. God has brought the unreached people groups to us. But you know what? That's hard because that's cross-cultural. That means you've got different cultures, different ways of doing things. Uh, it's less comfortable. How do I step out? How do I connect with them? These are the things you have to work on. I'm closed. We're done with time. But I want to challenge you with that. 167. It's not loads, but it's 167 unreached, potentially unreached people in this community. Imagine if one of them gets saved and then after getting saved, decides that they want to go back to their home country and start sharing the gospel amongst that people group. Because you can try and get in as a missionary and you may never ever be able to get in because somewhere, who knows, like Saudi Arabia is not going to stamp your passport for I'm going in as a missionary. It's not going to happen. But one of their people saved who then returns with the gospel message, well, that's a different story. That's how we can make a difference Yes, some people might be called, maybe one or two will go overseas. Short-term missions, I could talk all about Epaphroditus, read about him in Philippians. Wow, he went on short-term mission to Paul by walking 1,500 kilometres to bring money to support a guy who was on the field. Wow. So many things we can do, but we don't have to go. We can do it right here. And we can be people who are then kingdom people, fulfilling God's mandate and seeing his kingdom come. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that your word is a two-edged sword and it challenges us, Father. But we thank you that in that challenge, that challenge always comes with love, it comes with grace, it comes with mercy. And Father, you have lavished your grace and your love and your mercy on each one of us and you have lavished your love and your grace and your mercy on this church. Thank you for everybody here who's come to know Christ. Thank you for the journey of salvation. So many different amazing stories if we heard every one of them about what you have done in people's lives. Father, I pray that you will help us to always keep that front and central of our lives, what you have done for us and the responsibility that that leaves for us, Lord, to say, if you've done that for me and someone went to reach me, how can I not go to reach somebody else? But Lord, that's challenging. That has, for lots of us, some of us who might be shy, some of us who might not be so mobile, some of us who don't quite know where to start or how to do it. Father, we have all those questions. Will you help us with it and help us to see how we, each one of us, 
can serve you and become a little bit more missional in how we do things, Father, so that you can use us to reach people who don't know Jesus. So that South Normanton will see amazing numbers of salvations. But Lord, so will England, so will Europe, and so will the world. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Let's show our appreciation.